This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Charmed. And welcome back to Let Me Ruin Your Life with me, Serena Shahidi. Hi, how are you? Happy June to everybody. I'm recording this June 1st, and it's going to come out tomorrow, June 2nd, because I'm a planner. I'm all about responsibility. I'm all about productivity. Anybody who knows that, anybody who knows me knows that about me. So happy Happy first and second day of June. I hope everybody's paid their rent. If you've forgotten, go pay your rent. By the way, oh my God. Should I talk about the economy? I don't want to talk about the economy. But why aren't rents going down? I just found out my rent is going to increase in the fall. Girl, I texted my Wall Street friend and I was like, isn't, isn't every market flopping? When is, when is the housing market going to flop? What kind of recession is this? And he goes, oh, my God, yeah, my rent's going going up, too. I was like, okay. Thanks for the anecdote. Uh, if anybody is listening to this and knows when the housing market is going to be in its flop era, please do let me know. Because I don't know what we're doing right now as a society. Half the buildings in New York are vacant, and we're all paying a um, billion dollars for an 80-square-foot room. So, uh you know what I need to do soon is I bought a couple books to review for the podcast. And it might take me a little while because those episodes take a little while to like read a book and go through and take notes and find things to talk about. Um, and I am taking three summer classes, like basically just this month, nine credits, one month. Let's go. Let's party. Um, so after that, I might get into one of the books I bought, which is about city live-in on a little budget. I think it's called City Chic. It's for all the broke girls out there like me and probably you. No offense, but probably. And maybe we can learn how to do that. How to live big on a small budget. I think I'm kind of good at that. I mean, I don't think I... I'm not good at like making a budget. The thing is, people act like, oh, if you don't make a lot of money, just make a budget. And it's like, that is so stressful to be looking at those numbers when you're not, you know, making a good amount of money. It's probably fine to make a budget when you're making six figures, making a budget when you're making pff, hardly any figures at all. That is depressing town USA. I'm not good at budgeting, but I am good at adding a little bit of glamour when I can. Spending hardly anything on groceries and then being like, okay, I'm going to skip dinner tonight because I'm going to a party where there's going to be hors d'oeuvres, and I am going to take so many sliders and really hope that those cocktail napkins absorb a lot because eating a slider at a party is always a difficult affair. It's a whole thing. 
I don't know if I have much to talk about before we just get into this episode. I don't know if I have many life updates. Once again, I'm getting used to being employed. That's an adjustment for me, but I'm having fun. I ended the semester, starting summer classes. What am I taking? I'm taking like a um, a class about Asian culture for my global studies requirement. I'm taking a... Um, I'm taking a business math class and then I'm taking some other class about like how to format press releases or something crazy like that. Studying marketing is so funny, by the way. My favorite assignment I've done so far in this program, I was taking, um, I was just taking a PR class this past semester and one of the assignments we had to do, it was a lot of like crisis communications and having to put out statements and being like, yes, our employees killed a guy. What are you going to do? We're committed to our responsibility of providing great hospitality for our various guests from all around the world. There was one that was like, pretend you're the VP of public relations for Juul, the vaping, the famous vaping company. By the way, what happened to them? Were they like the only ones who faced any sort of restriction for the whole vaping thing? I don't know. Anyway, it was like, pretend you're the VP of public relations for them say maybe maybe in a world there's a situation where you marketed your vapes to minors and then millions of teenagers started getting addicted to nicotine put out a statement say oopsie daisy and you know what i said absolutely i would like to do this assignment and i said what did i say um our Our responsibility and commitment remains to providing a sustainable um, alternative to cigarettes for adult smokers. And we didn't mean to market to minors. We can't help it that these teens love to vape. What are we going to do? We'll try to make a TikTok account and do a dance that says, uh, please stop vaping. We'll like, you know swing our arm around our head and say, you're going to get popcorn lung. That was kind of my statement. Should I work in PR? I feel like that's kind of, hello. That's kind of that. I've always thought I would make, I would kind of have a good backstory for PR because they would Google me and be like, oh my God, this is awful. And I'd be like, that's PR, baby. I got publicity for myself and I, I know what it's like. I see the struggle. In many ways, I've been the VP of public relations at Jewel many, many times. And I may continue to be. And that's life. So let's get into this episode. There was one thing that I forgot to do last week because I took my little brief hiatus where I was getting adjusted to being um, somewhat employed as I am now. And I had promised the week before that I was going to read a certain famous book Famous, I believe, especially on TikTok, called It Ends With Us by Colleen Hoover. Because it's a book that is very popular on the internet that has been heavily endorsed by many people. And I've also heard many, many people say that it's a terrible book. So I was like, you know what? Let me read this so you guys don't have to. And we'll see how we feel about it together. So I did, I forgot to talk about it last time, but I did read It Ends With Us by Colleen Hoover. Or I listened to the audiobook on the 
New York Public Library app, Simply E. Shout out to them. I mean, I don't know what I would do without them, truly. I would have to, like, either pay for audiobooks or sit down and read a book. I am ashamed to say how little I would be reading if I couldn't listen to audiobooks. It's hard to make the time, you know. What am I supposed to be reading a book with one hand and folding my laundry with another? The other day I was in the laundry room and I I moved my clothing from the washer to the dryer and this very extroverted old woman, not you know, in the winter of her life, she was down there and she goes, that was fast. You're not very patient. And I was like, okay, first of all, love you. Love you to death because I love any old woman who talks to me um, anywhere. I really appreciate it. If you're an elderly woman and you're not related to me and you speak to me, I love you to death and I would die for you. But I was like, what am I supposed to do? What's the point of like taking, taking things out one by one? One individual sock, I'm just putting it in the dryer. Also, I was on the subway platform the other day and a different older woman, the trains were like running some sort of funky way, a different older woman, she comes up to me and she goes, is the E running on this line? And I went, yeah, I think so. And she goes, well, I've asked a bunch of people and they all think so and they've been wrong. So I'll ask somebody else. And I was like, well, how do you know? How do you know that they're wrong? If you're asking, is the E running on this line? And you, if you're asking, ostensibly, you don't know the answer to the question. So when people say, I think the E is running here, how do you know they're wrong? Also, geez, I'm sorry for not being completely certain. Anyway, love her so much, would lay down my life for her. Both of those women. Let's talk about It Ends With Us. I feel very energetic today. Sorry if I'm a little... Woo! So, it ends with us. I think I pulled up the description of the book, the other episode, but let me pull it up again just in case you're unfamiliar with it and we can we can get into this. Let's go to Amazon.com. By the way, I hate when you Google a book. It doesn't like have the actual description of the book automatically. The way when you Google uh, a movie, like it has the plot right there. You Google a book, you have to do all sorts of research. Okay. Oh my God, this is so long. Okay. A workaholic with a too-good-to-be-true romance can't stop thinking about her first love. Was she a workaholic? Okay, so the protagonist, her name is Lily. I think it's, I think it said her name was like Lily... It was like Lily, like Tulip Bloom or something crazy. Um, She's worked hard for the life she wants. She's come a a long way, moved to Boston, started her own business, meets a gorgeous neurosurgeon named Ryle. He's assertive, stubborn, maybe a little arrogant. Okay. Um, Blah, blah, blah. She likes him. He doesn't like relationships. And... questions of her new relationship overwhelm her, so do thoughts of Atlas Corrigan, her first love and a link to the past she left behind. He was her kindred spirit, her protector. When Atlas suddenly reappears, everything Lily has built with Ryle is threatened. Okay, this is going to contain, I'm not going to get into this like plot point by plot point, but this will contain spoilers. I highly doubt that anybody listening to this is planning to read It Ends With Us, but if you are skip ahead. I don't think I'm going to bother to edit in and be like, skip to, 
But, you know, skim a little and see if I'm still talking about it. So, the way I had heard this book talked about online, I was like, okay, this is a this is a silly little romance book. Like, this is something it's easy to make fun of. It's aimed at at probably young women. I'm sure it's just like light and silly and kind of bad. And I do think it's kind of bad, but I have to say, It Ends With Us is so much more fucked up than I thought. I'll tell you that right now. I, maybe I, because I have seen stuff about it on the internet, which is how I knew about it. Maybe I wasn't paying attention when I saw people talk about it, but this was a fucked up book. Like, this was... You know, I've been watching Desperate Housewives level. This was like a Desperate Housewives plot meets maybe, um, what's that show that I tried to watch? Big Little Lies. That's the plot. I'm not saying the quality is the same, but it has like a fucked up plot. There was one part where the tone of the book switched so fast and something so crazy happened. I was in the middle of Macy's. I was in the Herald Square Macy's looking at shoes, I believe. I think I was near the naturalizer loafers and my jaw absolutely dropped. Couldn't believe it. So I'm going to try to be a little sensitive and maybe skip around the parts that are a bit darker because I don't really want to get into that. And here's a big spoiler. A lot of it is about domestic violence, okay? with the guy that she meets at the beginning of the book, it gets very dark there. And I don't think that that part was handled horribly, to be honest. I don't think it was... Like, it wasn't seen as this sexy thing like it is in a lot of these types of media geared towards women where it's like, ooh, he's dominant. And it's like, no, he just, like, threw a vase at her head. Like, not sexy... The only thing I didn't like about the way that that was portrayed is it was very, oh, he's, first of all, he's traumatized because something bad, something really bad happened to him when he was a kid. And also this is an on and off switch that happens and he's not a bad guy. He just sometimes does bad things. And it's like, I mean, he, he hits his wife, you know? Like, I don't think people are a binary of good and bad either. But I think there's certain situations where it's like, maybe let's not bring that up, that I don't believe that. And maybe that doesn't even feel true in this situation. So that was the thing that really was um, a shock a to my system. As for the book as a whole, I have to say, I mean, I didn't like it. This is to be expected. Didn't love it. I will say, I will give Miss Colleen Hoover this. A lot of it was very unexpected. Not that it was these crazy plot points that were pulled out of nowhere, but it just seemed like something that wasn't going to happen given the nature of the book as I had read it to a certain point. And it very much read like a romance. Very easy to read, by the way. Not necessarily a bad thing. Not necessarily a good thing either. There are writers that I read that I'm like, okay, this is easy. This is really easy to read. 
I'm not mad at that. I love a Taylor Jenkins read. Her books read a little bit like YA. They're pretty simple. This, um... I think the way this book was written, you know, on Tumblr back in the day where people would post a picture of a, a page of a book and they would underline a certain line and it was like, oh my God, that's the most dramatic or romantic or sad thing ever. And it would get 100,000 likes. That's kind of how this was written. As if Colleen Hoover's intentions were for people to post stuff like that. It was a lot of, you're my always. In every world in every dimension, in every life. Something that you're like, okay, somebody's pulling out a pen and putting that on their Instagram story. But the tone of this book, so you, you start reading it and it's like, okay, this is a romance. This is a bit of a romance book. This girl, she meets this fella and he's hot and he's a neurosurgeon Whatever, this is how it begins, her life is going to change, etc., etc. And then it gets so dark out of nowhere. But the way... I didn't really understand why it was being written like a, a romance in the first place. I feel like she either should have started it a bit darker or made the guy that was being written about a bit, I don't know, better. Okay, the way she meets this guy, she's like up on a roof... He thinks she looks like she's about to jump or something. I don't know. He's like, get down from that ledge. She's like, no, I want to be on this ledge. Live your truth. And then they talk a little bit. He's like in a bad mood. And she's like, you know what? Speak your mind. I want to know the truth. I want us to be so real. And he's like, I won't say the word he used because I don't like to say that word in this context. He said, I want to have sex with you. And that was his truth. And I was like, is this supposed to be a romance? Is this supposed to be the love interest? You couldn't have set him up a little bit better? Like the first time they meet, he's like, I would like to have sex with you and never speak to you again. Basically verbatim. And she's like, no. And then he shows up to her apartment and is like, please have sex with me so I can never speak to you again. That's supposed to be, I think I get what she was doing is, oh, we're, we're setting this up like it's a romance and you're going to kind of fall in love with this character and then it's going to be as much of a shock to your system who he turns out to be as it would be if you were witnessing the situa situation in real life. But, ew, ugh, I hated him to begin with, even before I was walking around that Macy's. So anyway, there are some flashbacks in the book, and it goes back to this guy, this fella Atlas, who this woman was, um, she dated him in high school. He lived in the neighborhood, but he like lived in an abandoned house, like he was homeless, and she was like, come sneak into my house and take a shower. And then they ended up dating, and there are these flashbacks. Here's the goddamn kicker. These flashbacks... They're not just written as 10 years ago. They're written as Dear Ellen, because this woman is, is reading her old diary 
from when she was dating that fella, and her diary is written in the form of letters to Miss Ellen DeGeneres. Let's let that sit. She literally... She's like, hi, Ellen DeGeneres. So my new boyfriend, I let him wash his hair in my sink. By the way, can you imagine if Ellen DeGeneres actually read a letter from a girl who was like helping out the homeless guy in her neighborhood? (laughs) I'm sure Ellen would do the same thing if she had the chance. We know how kind she is. We know how selfless she is. We know how not sensitive she is to smells allegedly. I think the character even, maybe I'm making this up, but I think she ends up like naming her kid Dory. She names something Dory. I, I mean, I don't even know what to say. Here's the question. If you guys were writing your diary in a format where it's letters to a celebrity, which celebrity would it be? I think for me... Maybe Carrie Fisher, because I think she, rest in peace, she would have understood. Yeah, I think that's my answer. Carrie Fisher. She was a writer. She, she was fun. She was a little cuckoo. She would have gotten it. Oh, I love and miss Carrie Fisher so much. So this character, Miss Lily, believe it or not, with with her and her name, she decides to open a business. Um, she's like my age, but she opens a business there in Boston. It's like a goth flower shop. It's a flower shop. I think it was it was like goth or steampunk or something something very niche. I gotta say, I live in New York. I live in a city that is even bigger than the city of Boston. So you would think. If there's anywhere that's going to have like a niche flower shop that would at least get some clientele, it would be in New York. And I can't say that I've ever witnessed one. And I can't say that even the regular flower shops that I see day to day here are like doing incredibly well. Like this niche flower shop, she does not struggle at all. At all. This early 20s businesswoman opening up a flower shop for goths and steampunks, for some reason she is making a killing. I don't know. I think exploring that um, could have been an interesting thing, Colleen Hoover, because there's so many huge, traumatic, dramatic issues in this book, as there are in life. You know what else there is in life is just like regular failures and day-to-day problems. I don't know, I'm saying that, but to be fair, I also just love any kind of story about rich people where money is taken out of the equation and you can just, there's a a level of escapism, but also like, oh, these are really fucked up problems that these rich people are having. But also I don't have to be reminded that like my rent is going up in the fall for some reason, some recession this is. Everyone in this book is super successful. By the way, there's another character that is the sister of the abusive husband. And she, like, comes into the flower shop one day while it's being set up or something. And 
she doesn't even know that Lily is like dating her brother and she's like, ooh, I want to work here. Despite the fact that she's married to some super rich tech guy and they're living in uh, an apartment that's taking up an entire floor, she's like, I just want something to do. I would just love to work in this in this flower shop for free. Girl, rich people do not do that. Rich people do do some stuff that doesn't like make them money, but it's either like they're getting a tax break, they're looking good in front of their own circles, they don't care about looking good to some rando that just opened a store, they don't care about any of that. Or maybe if they're opening their own like niche flower shop and spending all of their husband's money and losing six figures a month, which is very glamorous. And I've always admired husbands who are just like, let me give my wife a bunch of money and let her do her own thing. And I am funneling this into a boutique that is doing horribly, but at least my wife has something to do. I really respect that. Good for you. I'm sure that makes for a much more successful marriage. Anyway, so... Jesus, that was loud. Oh, my friends want to go to the beach. Fun. So her ex-boyfriend, who she wrote all those letters to Ellen about, he comes back to the picture. Um, He is also very successful now, even though he used to be homeless and, like, doesn't really have any family, but he somehow ended up owning a bunch of restaurants. Good for him, achieving the American dream. And then the book becomes, like, a romance with this ex as well. And this character, I gotta say, not too easy to connect to. This fella, he... The whole thing is, like, he's so protective. He always knows exactly what to say. And I don't know how I feel about that. I don't want like a a deeply, deeply, deeply flawed love interest. Because who wants that in real life or in media? Let's have some fun. Bring in the hot guy who's nice and smart and and funny and successful. Even though a guy who's hot and successful is not going to be funny. But whatever. That's It's fiction. It's fiction. But I had a hard time connecting. I really did, I think, even if it's not going to be like, oh, he has an awful dark secret, or she's choosing between these two guys, and they're both deeply, deeply flawed, awful people. But give us an awkward moment, right? That's what love is all about. Give us a a moment where uh, she kind of goes in for a kiss on the cheek, because she's like, oh, we just reunited but he thinks she's going for the lips and it's like oh god that happened to me recently it is awkward but that's life and Colleen Hoover doesn't seem to write about things like that so my final thoughts on this book it ends with us by Colleen Hoover I mean I think it had um I think it had some good messages I'm not mad that especially young women are reading this because especially the title, you know, it it ends here. Ending the cycle of abuse. Love that. Love the message that sometimes something that starts off as this sweet romance becomes something much darker. Even though it never really seemed to be a sweet romance, but I get kind of what she was going for. I 
wish it was better written. I wish there were some... I wish there was some complexity, like, beyond the the plot, I guess. Does that make sense? I wish there was more complexity to the characters. I didn't really like the main character. I don't like... And even even female authors do this a lot, where they write female characters and the personalities of these female characters aren't really personalities so much as a collection of quirks. You get what I'm saying. It's not really, oh, they have an affinity towards this certain type of thing and this is what they're motivated by in life and these are the twisted ways in which their life, their life's events have affected them. Instead, it's just like, she really likes Ellen DeGeneres. She opened a goth flower shop. Like, give us, I don't know, give us a personality trait that we can't put on a bumper sticker, right? Or a a t-shirt or a magnet, or that we can't find in the scrapbooking section of Michael's Arts and Crafts. I don't like how women are written like that. She has such a big personality. She loves to watch The Ellen Show. Like, that's not a fully fleshed out character to me. But, I mean, it wasn't as shallow as I thought it would be. There were some parts that I was really like, oh, my God. It gets into some twisted shit. And good for Colleen Hoover getting into that. I think the execution should have been better what are you going to do? The next thing I want to talk about, I want to talk about rich people clothing. And I read a piece recently by Rachel Tastian, um, who writes the Opulent Tips newsletter, which is, I've heard a great newsletter about fashion. I am not personally subscribed because it is something that you have to like ask her to be put on the subscription list for. And I did. And she said yes. And I've not received the emails, but I'm perfectly okay with that um, because I don't want to bother her by asking again. Anyway, she writes about fashion and she wrote a piece for the Washington Post called The Rich Don't Dress Like You Think They Do. And this is, it started off as being like, especially about Succession, a famous show that recently ended that I have never seen, but now I'm never going to because people are going to stop bothering me about having never seen it. And about the recent trend, people like to call it quiet luxury, this clothing trend, the old money aesthetic. They also say it's a way of dressing like the rich without it being overstated. It's not logos everywhere. It's not nouveau riche. It's a bit of a more coded way of saying like, I have money. I'm one of you. I'm cool. I'm cool with all the richies. And by Richie, I mean both rich people and Nicole Richie's family. So this article talks about the fascination with that type of dressing. And especially that we like it because we're interested in what we can't have. And I think now it's like real rich people, quote unquote, real you know what I'm saying? They seem less accessible than ever because now that the people who there may be new money or they're just they like to flaunt their money, they're making their money as an influencer, going on brand trips, they're a celebrity, that type of thing where it's kind of loud luxury. Those people are front and center and the people who like to 
keep to themselves a bit, not flaunt their money, not get on Instagram and and put their net worth in their bio. Those people have kind of chilled out and they aren't really on social media a lot or if they are they're not talking about that kind of stuff and you don't really know that they're rich unless you're another rich person because it is like a a coded way of dressing where it's signaling to the rest of the one percent as they say honey i'm one of you i'm one of you and hear my thoughts because on one hand i feel like there's this obsession now with like, oh, now everybody wants to have this quiet, luxury aesthetic. And even if you can't technically afford it, it's like, let me just get a blazer at Zara and then I'll fit in with the ultra wealthy. Best of luck, by the way. I think obsession with looking rich is obsession with looking rich. Whether it's logos and being, um, you know, having Gucci logos all over your body branded onto your skin, whatever it may be, or trying to dress like Gwyneth Paltrow and wearing the row or probably not even the row, like, you know, lesser known labels that only rich people are aware of. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Only in this case, maybe you're less so trying to like flex on the people who are actually making as much money as you are and you're more so trying to blend in with the actual wealthy but trying to look rich is trying to look rich right and I think it's a little silly to try to take notes on like this is what rich people are wearing this is how you can recreate it this is where they're selling the loafers and the trousers and the blazers and the creams and the natural colors and the gold I made a TikTok about this where I was like, we are so obsessed with what what rich people are doing and what they're wearing and where they're going. Honey, they're not gods. They really are not. And I, like many people, I'm, I'm fascinated by the wealthy. I really am. I love to learn about, I guess not really, I, I'm not too interested in like where they hang out. Like that's kind of easy and doesn't let you know much about a person. But I don't know, the way money affects people and the way that rich people think about the world, I think is really, really interesting. And what they're drawn to and why. It's just a whole other experience in life. Being rich, can you imagine? But yeah, it was like, rich people, you know, this is a situation where it's like, Would you rather have $5 million or dinner with Jay-Z? Honey, meeting a rich person is really not that exciting. Getting into the same members-only club, wearing the same stuff, if you can do either of those things, which most of us can't most of the time, that doesn't really get you anywhere. That's not the same thing as having wealth. Yes, it's it's absolutely nice to be invited to the parties, I'm not denying that, but being able to break into a country club or whatever these people want to do, it's not going to change your life a hell of a lot. You know, I think there's this idea that if you gain access to rich people, you're going to learn so much. And you're really not, unless you're just interested in learning about rich people. But there's this obsession with like, oh, I, I talked to a billionaire and this is what they said And this is the advice that this rich person gave me. Honey, they don't know what the fuck they're doing either. 
These billionaires, sure, they know more about, like, money than the average person. They don't really know more about life. And also, rich people don't have everything in common with each other. We can't just be like, oh, this is what rich people do. So this is what you have to be doing. Rich people are not doing the same shit. They're making the money in all sorts of different ways. They're hanging out in different social circles. There's not like one singular thing that you can find out about rich people that's going to make you one of them. Unless it's, I don't know, finding out how to get in one of their wills. And let me tell you something about them. They do not care if you're wearing a blazer or not. They really do not, especially, oh, I'm going to be a part of the old money community now that I have this Zara blazer on. No, you're not. They know. They know. And that's fine. They can see what you're wearing. It is a bit more coded. People who have money know that you're wearing H&M loafers. And that's fine. Because if you're going to hang out with the rich, if that's really like what your goal is, the way you dress is not going to make that much of a difference. Unless it's, oh, this is the difference between getting kicked out of this dinner party versus being allowed to stay. If a rich person wants to talk to your poor sorry butt, they're going to talk to you. And if they don't want to, they're not going to talk to you, even if you're wearing a strand of pearls, faux or not. But I don't know. There's also an upside to this where it's like, it is more sustainable to go for the basics and to go for what's understated and higher quality rather than just being like, okay, I'm going to deck myself out in logos and try to wear all this crazy stuff and never repeat an outfit to be able to be like, okay, this is well made. I'm going to wear it over and over. I can wear it many different occasions. This is a quality little black dress or whatever it may be that is going to last for a while. I think that's not a half bad reason to be uh, maybe not buying some crazy $4,000 top, but dabbling in some secondhand J. Crew rather than going on a Shein haul. So those are my thoughts on like the old money aesthetic issue. The issue facing us in these trying times, I think it's a good thing to go for quality clothing that isn't just of this moment. And I also think uh, don't dress like that just to impress rich people because they don't give a fuck. And honestly, neither should you. And God, half of them buy fast fashion now anyway. God knows. I want to go on a little rant. I said last week that I wanted to go on this rant. I didn't really have it in me at the time. Now I'm feeling energized. I'm feeling fired up. Because as I've said before, my Twitter algorithm has been awful. Now that Mr. Elon Musk, the devil, has introduced the Twitter for you tab, my life has gotten significantly worse. And I just, oof, I have to try to avoid that app now, unless I'm just posting because you know, I love to tweet. I love to tweet. I'm young. I'm fun. I have thoughts that can be summed up in 240 uh, characters. And I just love to get them out there via Twitter. But to scroll, oh, I've seen some things. Because my For You tab now um, is mostly like teenagers endorsing eating disorders. And now like 
tech guys who think women's standards are too high and every woman is going to end up alone. And I wanted to talk about that. And I specifically wanted to talk about aging because I have seen some conversations recently about women aging that make me fear for humanity. Oh, my God. I've seen this is why I have to avoid that app. I've seen so much content about how women expire at whatever age, 30, 25, 20. I mean, it seems to be basically lowering every day the expiration date for women. So just keep us posted, fellas. We'd love to know when we're uh, worthless as human beings. And I, it makes me so angry. All of this content about um, how women hit the wall at a very young age, by the way, like the second women graduate college, trash, garbage, worthless, and how women need to settle down as soon as possible because aging is so shameful and disgusting. And I want to say, because I know a lot of young women listen to this and probably a lot of women who are um, in that bracket of supposed expiration, even though they probably look the same as they did five, ten years ago, because that's how aging works. It doesn't happen all at once. You don't hit 30 and suddenly look like a an old hag, although I would love to love old hags. And I wanted to say to all the people out there, this is a psyop to make women more desperate and on behalf of myself and on behalf of all of you, I'm going to say, honey, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. We know what you're doing. Let's just go on a rant just for a moment. The way these men get on the internet and are like, oh, women are worthless after a certain age. Honey, a nice try. Uh, we go outside. Some of us go outside. Some of us witness the real world and we see actual um, actual men, actual women, actual couples, women over the age of 30, 40, 50, 60? Like, do you realize that we can see with our own eyes, we can see that those women have men going gaga over them? How about that? Why are we ignoring that that is happening every day? Let me tell you something. Now that I'm working out as a hostess, as a hostess, at a, a nice restaurant, we cater to like a bit of an older clientele. So a lot of like middle-aged couples come in or older couples. And first of all, I don't see a whole hell of a lot of couples that are like, oh, this is like a 60-year-old with a 20-year-old. I'm not seeing that a whole lot. Most of these men are married to women who are about their age. And many of these middle-aged couples, honey, fawning over each other. Fawning, PDA, making out at the bar, having romantic anniversary dinners, staring into each other's eyes, feeding each other. The idea that women over a certain age don't have, whether it is their husband, whether it's some other guy, maybe they're out there dating, playing the field. It's ridiculous. We can go outside and we can see this. Even when it's a woman who, say, hasn't been married to the same guy for decades Still, you aren't hearing your your male friends talk about how hot their friend's mom is? You think those young men were watching American Pie and going, Ew, Jennifer Coolidge is disgusting. She's really hit the wall. These people are crazy. 
And then it becomes this whole thing of like, okay, now if you're a woman, like you, here's our male advice for you. You have to get married young. You got to get married young before you expire. And once again, I talked about this. If you get married young and it's successful and you tell everybody to get married young, it's like a celebrity telling regular people to follow their dreams. Just because it worked out for you does not mean it's going to work out for everybody else, especially if we're talking statistically. Not saying wait until your 60s, but get married as soon as possible. No, thank you. No, thanks. And why would I want to marry somebody who's going to think that I'm dried up in a couple years? Riddle me that. Oh, men don't like women over 25. So you have to get married before 25. So my husband will be disgusted by me? First of all, not going to happen. Hopefully. And that's a good reason to wait until you're a little bit older to make sure it doesn't happen. But also... I don't want to marry that guy. No, thank you. Oh, no, I won't be able to bag a guy who only likes teenagers. Oh, God. I don't want to find out that those guys went off the market. God forbid. Jesus. Here's the thing. If men only want to be with younger women, which isn't true, it is a little bit true in the sense that, um... A lot of guys think that way, and I think that's concerning, and I think that's gross. But let's say, for the sake of argument, every man only wants to be with a young woman. Maybe I don't want to be with them. What about that? Wouldn't I rather be single and doing fine than be married to a guy who's like, oh, wish I was with you 10 years ago. Look at you. There's a wrinkle on your forehead. There's crow's feet starting to form. By the way, I think crow's feet are so glamorous. And I've like looked at myself in the mirror before and tried to like smile as hard as I can. And I don't really, my face doesn't really scrunch up that way. I'm more of a frowner. But I love the look of, of crow's feet. I think it's very glamorous. It shows that someone's been smiling and winking. And isn't that fun? Isn't that the mark of a life well lived? Maybe, I mean, we have all this anti-aging stuff to prevent wrinkles and to get rid of them. Maybe I can get crow's feet installed. How about that? Be a little subversive? Go against the, the beauty standard? But why not? I think they're gorge. Also, these guys go, um, well, men are fertile for so much longer than women. Women start losing their eggs, which is something to be aware of if you want kids that you should either not wait super super long to have them or like freeze your eggs if you think you might want to have them later in life that's something but also a lot of women don't want kids a lot of women are willing to adopt and also women are still fertile in their 30s a lot of women are still fertile in their uh 40s <laughs> i was like what comes after that hello i actually know relatively few people whose mother had them when they were, like, in their 20s. Like, you don't become infertile 15 years after you hit puberty. That's cuckoo town. That's cuckoo. And sure, yes, there are women who are maybe approaching their mid to late 30s, and um, they don't have a partner, and they want kids of their own. 
and they're going to have to figure that out. And that's a that's a tough thing. But there are also men who are approaching much older ages who want a partner, are alone, haven't found anyone, and that sucks too. That's life. It's not really a gender thing. That's not a matter of like a huge societal thing of women have forgotten that they're not young forever. Honey, in life, sometimes people don't get what they want at the age that they wanted to have it. And that really sucks. But why blame women? Jeez. And last thing, um, women do not age worse than men. I hate that idea. Ugh. I hate that idea. Men age so much better than women. No, men are allowed to age more than women are. That's the thing. Why are we acting like men don't get wrinkles and age spots? Men literally, men literally go bald. Let's discuss that. Can you imagine, can you imagine the things that men would be saying about women aging if almost every woman started losing their hair when they approached a certain age? Girl, these middle-aged women would be uh, taken out back like old yeller. Are you kidding me? That would not be allowed to happen. Women age like people, and um, all these guys are freaks. And this is a psyop to make women more desperate so they'll settle for these freaks, thinking that they're never going to find anybody when they're a little bit older. Don't fall for it. These people are crazy. Anyway, let's get into a couple questions. I asked you guys on Instagram to send me a little more questions. We did another round. Um, as always, you can DM at Let Me Ruin Your Life Pod if there's something you want me to talk about. Somebody wants to know thoughts on the revival of Tumblr. I love. Oh my God. I would love to learn more about this. Maybe I should have done my research. Is Tumblr, is the website itself having a revival? Like, are people logging on to Tumblr.com for the first time in... How long has it been? At least five years. Eight? I don't know. I feel like that's when that's when something shifted. When did Yahoo buy it? When did Yahoo buy Tumblr? Oh, 2013. Oh, my God. Maybe 10 years. It's been a while, but I have, I've been scrolling through TikTok a little bit and there's um, a genre of posts that's been showing up for me because they make me super emotional where, where um, people, there's like a sad song playing and then there's like a slideshow of all these sad quotes and a lot of them are Tumblr posts. And I have to say, that's what I miss about Tumblr. And that's why I endorse um, the revival of Tumblr, the earnestness. There was something about that website, being on that back in the day, and I was a real Tumblr girl, like middle school, high school. I loved me some Tumblr, especially like freshman year, I feel like was peak Tumblr for me. It was so, it was so earnest. You could just reblog some sort of quote or poem that captures your deepest, darkest emotions. And it was just like, yes. Love that. So I endorse this because I think, I mean, the social media irony certainly poisons you a little bit. Because if you get on, especially if you get on like Twitter or something, oh, nobody is allowed to like anything on there. No fun is allowed to be had. 
We hate everybody. We hate everything. And Tumblr was all about like having genuine interest. That's why it was really it was really a, a time and place to be if you were a teenage girl at the time. And I think we all have to stay in touch with the teenage girl within. Whether or not you actually were a teenage girl, but I think even if you weren't, there's a piece of you um, deep, deep inside that kind of is, in a way, a teenage girl. Those times back in the day, those teenage Tumblr times, the poetry, the I was very, very into Rookie Mag, May It Rest in Peace, loved Rookie Mag. If you're like younger than, I don't know, 20, you really, really missed out on Rookie Mag. And just the development of these deep, deep obsessions, that was really what Tumblr was all about. And granted, some of them got a little extreme. I mean, the obsessions people had on Tumblr, the fandom culture of it all, the fan fiction culture of it all. I mean, they, the girls on Tumblr, there was nothing they loved more than watching a television show and being like, oh, I bet these two male characters are in love. Those girls, they loved, um, I'm not going to say they loved the gays, but they loved pretending as if straight men were gay. That was really um, a theme of that time. And I don't know about that part. We think we're like celebrity and media obsessed now. Are you kidding me? Peak Tumblr, can you imagine if Succession was on? There would be, I mean, there would be novels written about how whichever men want to secretly want to be with each other. I don't know. I haven't watched the show, but I think that would happen. I think people would be creating ships, as they say, shipping people. And also, you know what I miss from Tumblr? Last thing, bring back gift sets. GIF sets? GIF sets. I don't know. I feel like when you're saying it um, just as one, GIF sounds better. But I feel like sets, GIF sets sounds better. Whatever, bring them back. Let us do that on other platforms when you could just scroll through and basically like watch a scene from um, a movie or a TV show without even sound, just scrolling through, just watching those people move with a little caption that says, buggity buggity boo, boobida ba ba ba. When you could read that, that was everything. Love that. Next question. Someone wants some advice how to keep friends post-graduation when you are all off to different jobs and lives and lovers. Oh, boy. Now, this is hard, but I think it's so important to keep your friendships with people who are maybe in a different place in life than you are, at least to keep them somewhat, even if you're not doing the same things, even if you're not like doing everything that you used to do together back when you were in college and you're kind of spending a whole day with each other and you're studying the same stuff and going out to the same parties. But to keep those friendships, even if you see them less often or in a different context than you're used to, I think it's very important to have like uh, like diverse friends, friends who are in all sorts of places in life. I don't think there's this idea that like friendships should just be about where you are in life and your friends have to have the exact same goals as you and you have to be 
like wanting to go to the same places and do the same things in life. And if there's any sort of difference between your paths and you have to send them a text that sounds like it's from HR that's like, hey, I don't really uh, foresee a future in our friendship given that we are on different paths and I just don't have the bandwidth for this right now. Like that's what you're supposed to be doing. Um, but I, I don't think that that's true. I think you and your friends... At least some of them should be in different places and you can learn stuff from each other. So my advice, I mean, first of all, especially if you're like in different places, keep in touch via iPhone. Pick up that iPhone, give them a call. Even if it's just, um, let me send you something, this reminds me of you, or hi, how are you doing? This is what's new with me. Sometimes it feels weird to just pick up that iPhone and call your friend and be like, hey, uh, I didn't really call you for a reason, but I haven't talked to you in a while. What's new with you? But I've never gotten a call like that and been like, ugh, I don't want to talk to this person. It's always been like, oh, we're keeping in touch. Like, this is great. What else can you do? You can, I mean, obviously make plans with them, but you might have to switch things around a little like if your friend is is getting married and has a corporate job and you're like going to raves, maybe don't bring them there. Maybe don't bring like your friend who's uh, raising a newborn to the club unless they want to go. I don't know. Good for them. Why not? I mean, I guess there are a few reasons why not, but whatever. Um, But invite them for stuff that kind of everybody likes to do. Have a little picnic in the park. Have some lunch together. I know I've talked shit about like getting lunch with people before, but I think this is a moment where um, it's appropriate to get lunch or dinner or a little cocktail, something that people of, of all walks of life can enjoy. Something innocuous. Don't invite like your unemployed friend to a, a Michelin star restaurant, right? I don't know. I just think really have a curiosity about their life especially I think the more different someone's life is from yours, the more curiosity you should have really try to both for the purpose of like trying to understand them and see like exactly where they are and, and what's up. And also it helps you in your own life to learn about other people's lives when they're different from you and develop goals and make decisions and sometimes be like, okay, well, maybe I don't want to be in a relationship like the one um, Debbie has. No, thank you. But I, I'm glad to catch up with her and I hope she's doing better next time. Hope she dumps his sorry ass. And something that really helps me maintain friendships with people who are very different from me in different places in life than I am is to really like ask for their advice. Wherever their area of expertise is, if they're climbing the corporate ladder and you, you're you looking for a job, maybe be like, is this appropriate to wear for a job interview? Something like that. If they're in a good relationship, maybe ask them for love advice. Even though sometimes the people who are in like long-term relationships give the worst advice because they're just like, go for it. And you're like, actually, I don't think that this is a good idea just because it worked out for you. I don't think I should go for it with this guy. Um, he is a, a demon from hell, but thank you for your thoughts. And that's my advice. And best of luck 
it's important to maintain your friendships and and have friendships that last a long time. Jesus, that beeping. Anyway, last thing, my uh, media of the week, I am still knee-deep in Desperate Housewives. I am going to finish it soon, and I will come back with a full report. I maybe want to report on, like, what my favorite... Maybe not what my favorite plot lines are. That's so spoilery. I don't know. But I've been watching that. I did read, I listened to an audiobook on this Simply E app, um, The New Me by Halle Butler, which is a book that I was like, oh my God, I really like missed out on this when this came out. It was a big thing and I never really bothered to read it. And then I started listening to it and I was like, I think I have read this actually. I think I may have read this, but I um, reread at least most of it. If you're unfamiliar, it's about a woman. She's like a 30-year-old depressed temp worker who's like not really good at her job, doesn't have a, a stable job or many friends, and doesn't really have a love life, and it's pretty depressing. Very cynical narrator, which I like. When I'm reading fiction, I like my narrators to be... I mean, I kind of like both sides where they're either really cynical or they're really like romantic and optimistic. I think both are are fun. But you need some cynicism in there for sure. I don't like sheer just like, oh, this is what's going on. I'm feeling hopeful. Who cares? But what I really like about this book is one of the things that I did not like about It Ends With Us, which is that it's about like a young person who is not successful. That I love. That I love. Because so much media, it either completely skips over the whole factor of jobs and you're like watching a TV show or reading a book and you're like, what are the, do these people go to work? Like, what is going on here? How do they have time for all this? I mean, Desperate Housewives, hello. Or it's only about people who are really successful. Probably some journalist who somehow makes a million dollars a year. God knows why that goes on. But I like I like media about people with just kind of regular average jobs, not doing too well financially. I think maybe that's one of the reasons um, I don't love The Office. I think it definitely had its, its funny moments. I don't think it's pure garbage the way a lot of people like to act. It had its moments. But I think one of the reasons it was so successful is because it was just about people who like worked in an office. It wasn't like this is the the top surgeon in the world. This is a high-powered business lady. It was just like, this is the woman who um, refills the fax machine. I don't really know what a fax machine is, but I think it holds paper. I think a fax is like something, there's like a phone number, but then it like prints something out. Is that what a fax is? I don't know. I've always thought that that was what it was, but it sounds so ominous. If you're just sitting at your desk and you suddenly something prints out that has a message for you, that almost sounds ghoul-like. But maybe I'm getting it wrong and that's not what a fax is. God bless those faxes, faxi, either way. That's all I have to say for today. Um, I have to go. I have an appointment with my twink therapist and we're going to discuss. I don't know what we're going to discuss. I'll come up with some problems in the next hour or so. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye!